Welcome to another late week edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. There is so much going on in the National Football League and there are some moments during a Sunday when something happens and as I'm sitting on the Total Access set watching the games with the whole crew, I know this is going to make me have a late week podcast. And when Donovan McNabb was benched in Detroit with less than two minutes to go and a six-point deficit for Rex Grossman, I thought to myself, that's a late week podcast right there waiting to happen. And then sure enough, the next day, Randy Moss gets cut. And those are just two latest instances why the NFL is the greatest reality show on television, a soap opera that you cannot predict once. Maybe someone's going to have amnesia and uh, just like a real soap opera one week, and we'll have a late week podcast about that. But obviously the Randy Moss cutting and then being picked up by the Tennessee Titans midweek is story number one in the NFL with story 1A being Donovan McNabb being benched by Mike Shanahan in Washington just eight weeks into his new tenure in his post-Eagles world. And to talk about this right now, I'm thrilled to have on the podcast uh, the man who broke the story that Brad Childress broke the news to his players in a meeting on Monday that uh, Randy Moss was being released, Michael Lombardi of NFL Network. Michael, thrilled to have you on the podcast. Nice to be here, Rich. It's oh, always good to talk to you. Thrilled. And uh, right here uh, in the studio as well from Fox Sports and NFL Network, information man extraordinaire. I'm thrilled to have Jay Glazer on the Rich Eisen <laughs> podcast for the first right time. You. you know what I did when I saw the Donovan McNabb thing? What? <clears throat> I immediately grabbed smelling salts, figured I just got knocked out again. Is that, is that right? <laughs> Clearly my hands were down once again. Well, uh, maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was your cardiovascular endurance. <laughs> that's exactly right. Jay, maybe that's what it God was. God almighty. That, but let's, let's table that for the moment because Moss is the big story. And, and not just being, you know, the Tennessee Titans, that's an interesting aspect of it that he was picked up by them, and we'll hit that in a moment. But to me, this has lasting effects on the Vikings organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the rest of the season and certainly into the off season, and and I, I just want to ask this: let's let's go through this process, Michael. When you found out that this was the, he just so so Childress just shows up in the morning. It was a morning meeting, and he just shows up and and just says, "This is what's what's happening." Moss is gone. Is that what happened? You know, well, no, actually, he has a press conference before the team meeting, and he announces to the press that he he would he was still excited about the Moss trade and that. You know, he would do it all over again, and then he goes into the team meeting and, in as a matter-of-fact manner, just uh, says to the team, Randy Moss is no longer here, he's gone, and they move on to the Arizona Cardinals and talking about the tape of the New England game. So, you know, there's a lot of disconnect, and, you know, in this day and age, as Jay can say, I mean, the information business, guys have their phones in these meetings, and all of a sudden, I don't know why Brad thought it wasn't going to get out, because as soon as he said it, you knew it was going to get out. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the guys I talk to say, Brad walks in, says, all right, you know, we're going to get rid of Randy Moss. We're going to wave Randy Moss later. It's just not the type of guy we want here. All right, it's time for film. As if they just cut their 10th offensive line. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a big – he didn't make a huge deal. And guys started looking around the room, looking for Randy. He said, oh, hey, he's not here. But as one player said to me, nothing shocks me around here this season. So he just basically like uh, – He was a rogue. Matter he, of fact. He went rogue on this also. Brad Childress went rogue on this. So what do you mean by going rogue? What do you mean by that? Front office didn't know. Ownership didn't know. Players didn't know. Ownership was against it. Front office was against it. Is players that, were against is it. That why, is that why it, it was uh, – yeah. he, he says that, by, Michael, is that by the end of the business day and by oh, the end of the business day he technically hadn't been waived yet? Is that why? 
Yeah, I, I, what Jay said is absolutely true. Despite what anybody might say in Minnesota, they were completely taken off guard. It's why it took six hours between the time it was reported until Brad Childers came out with a statement. I mean, typically, if you're going to waive somebody of the magnitude of Randy Moss, you're going to have a press release set. You're going to go over it. You're going to want to put your spin on it before you do it. And unfortunately, because they didn't know Brad was going to do it. Now, here's the key component. Brad Childress has control of the 53-man roster mm -hmm. in Minnesota. So he can, yes, he yes. It's in his contract yeah. that he has, he has control, Absolutely, right. yeah. So he just was exercising his, his, his right contractually, and that's why, and I think Jay understands this as well, that's why there was a moment there where I had people texting me, Randy might be in the Wednesday meeting right. and Brad Childress might not. And Brad won't. And, that's what, and it, was, it was real interesting because there was, I think, a 50-50 chat. It went either way, but you got to kind of scratch your head. And that, that's the big thing. I got calls from a ton of people and, and guys in that locker room saying, hold on a sec, our owners don't want this move, and the front office doesn't, and, and we don't, and Chile does, and we're still doing it? What's wrong with this picture? And, you know, I'm talking to some other guys over there going, you guys got to tell your owners, they own the team. <laughs> they own the team. And that's just, it goes down to that. You want the guy, you get the guy. That's it. You own the team. You're against the move. Block the move. Well, so yeah. Go ahead, and Mike. when the and last year, you know, last year Chile was in a very tenuous position, mm -hmm. but he got a contract extension during the season, which most of the NFL looked at and said, "Oh my gosh, that's premature to get this extension." He got it, and that really gave him some position of strength, and that's why that extension was allowed him to carry out this move without really getting the blessing of ownership. Yeah. Also, you know, he he was. There's been a lot of little interpersonal things there. Sage Rosenfeld's another guy. You know, the, the Rick Spielman, them like Sage, wanted to bring him over. Brad against it, made life hard on Sage when he was over there, uh, got him out of there. You know, there, there was, got him out of there against the wishes of the front office. Right. It's just, I think Brad views himself in a way like he is Belichick and Andy Reid, and I'm in that position. And those guys are in that position because of years and years of success. Right, but he also is in that position because it says in his contract he can't. Yeah, but, but I it's, mean, it's so. different, though. You know, again, it's, it, it says in their contract also. Uh, but it's different. They have this respect. And Michael tell you, you know, you look at Bill Belichick, he says what he's doing. He's kind of earned that right of, okay, it all goes through me. This is what's happening. You know, there's, here in Minnesota, it's different. There's a triangle of power, if you will. In, in New England, Bill's it's, a guy. That's right, that. It's a he puts the personal guy he wants in there. That's it. So, so how does children still have a job? I mean, in all, in all due respect, I mean, if, if I went ahead, even though I have a contractual right to do X, and X might cost my employers seven figures, and my employers want uh, employee X because they're trying to get new stadium Y, for instance, and then this guy Moss is selling jerseys, he puts fannies in the seats, he makes things more exciting on the front and back pages, even though there probably aren't any front and back pages <laughs> in Minnesota, but you get the point. How does this guy, if I did that, I would be so out on my rear. How does Brad Childress still have a job if he went ahead and cut Moss without telling the Wilfs he was going to do it? That's a great question, I, I isn't it, Mike? I, I think <laughs> it's the only thing I can answer to it. Yeah, it is. I think the, the owners are just giving him enough rope to continually hang himself. Because at the end of the day, at the end of this season, he's going to get judged on what he's accomplished, and I'm not sure it's going to come just down to the win or loss. I mean, Jay's reported it numerous times. I know it. 
I got it. You know, there's a lot of disconcern in that locker room, regardless of what you may hear. That's not a happy place in Minnesota. Front office to coach, player to coach. And the key component that everybody is not comfortable with is the head coach. you agree with that assessment? Uh, I concur, Your Honor. 100%. You stipulate to, uh, to counselor Lombardi's Like I said, there is, uh, you know, when the players I talk to, when they weren't even, they're saying they're shocked, and they are to a point, but they're not. And they're like, you know, nothing that this guy does surprises us anymore. It is what it is. So so what about the lunch meat episode? Oh, how about that? <laughs> what about hey, the Mike, hey, hey, Mike I, have you ever heard of a dude getting cut because he was a jag-off to somebody in the cafeteria? He'd be the first guy in the history of the NFL cut for being a jag-off to a lunch guy. Are you kidding me? I mean, you come on, think- dude. And guys are worse than him. Oh, I, 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 there'd be half the league would be unemployed. I told that to Warren Sapp. I mean, you know, most of the guys, I mean, are you mean you're going to eat, make us eat this stuff? Look, I worked at the Philadelphia Eagles where they served us at the old vet stadium. And, you know, if anybody didn't complain there, it was, you know, even the staff was complaining. So, I mean, even that's not just being mean to somebody. I had the guy Randy was mean to on my podcast right? earlier this week, Gus Tanucci, yep. Tanucci's Restaurant and Catering in St. Paul, Minnesota. I figure I should give him a pop. So, Gus comes on uh, on the and, and says that the whole room went quiet. That uh, he might have been a he, moment. Sure. That Favre looked at him as he was uh, that, that if Favre had a ball in his hand, he would wing it at Moss's head and and and. Oh come uh, on now, that's what this guy said. That's what this guy yeah. said. And again, well, but I, I I will say this: I, looking at Brett Favre's body language, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth today, but I don't know. If if there was a uh, he's very diplomatic in how he handled yeah. the Randy Moss release, and I think having been in Green Bay, look, look food is shouldn't be the reason a player gets cut. Thank look, you. If a guy disrespectful to the to the caterer, which I'm sure that, that a caterer is not going to lie, call him in your office and say, look, we don't tolerate that behavior exactly. here. I don't know what you were like, but we're not going to we're going to move forward. You have to be a professional. I've been around New England. I I just think that that's not a good enough reason to cut a player. I'm not saying it's right for what he did. I, I don't I don't agree right. with treating people like that. How However, we're running a professional football operation. You have an office, you call the guy in, you say, that's not going to be tolerable. I want you to sit down. I mean, remember now, Rich, this guy gave a passionate halftime speech mm-hmm. against the Dallas Cowboys to bring the team back. I mean, so it wasn't like the players in the locker room weren't listening to him. The players I, I, in the I locker room loved him. So then why, why, it hard what, to was it, what was it? Why does this guy need to be sent packing 26 days after because, you require him? Because Brad Childress, I think, figured out. Randy came in there right away and said, this guy's our head coach, and right away started saying, no. Uh, he went from Belichick to Brad Childress. I think Brad saw that saying, okay, he's going to give me a problem all the way down the road, and I don't want, the, so I don't want weekly sent, so press conferences where he's calling out my place. You're saying Moss did not respect Brad Childress. Yeah. That's what you're yeah. saying. Yes, I, and, I, and I, say, I, yeah. I can say, having been with Randy, and having been with Randy with, Rod, with North Turner, Randy was not a problem. As Kerry Collins said today on Around the League, Randy was fine. The next year with Art Shell and Tom Walsh, Randy was a problem. Right. I think when Randy doesn't respect the coach, I think that becomes the problem. And I think part of it, too, was after the game, not the, not the love that he gave to New England. I think it was the frustration he experienced about things he said to them about what they should do that they didn't do. And I think that really was a deterrent to Brad Childress and one of the reasons why I think he sent him packing. So that was, it was all combination. It was the... It wasn't the lunch thing. That wasn't part of it. The lunch thing happened, but that was not part of it. The lunch thing was not part of it. It's not why they're releasing a guy. You're not releasing a guy for being mean to somebody in the cafeteria. The guys, again, this is not a league full of nice people. 
You know what I mean? There are there are many, yes. but it's you know there's some mean, nasty SOBs in this league, and that's not why. Now that's the propaganda being put out, so we could you know so you know we could show the world, hey, this is why we can't have a guy like this in the locker room. Come on now. I've had a player come up to my office when I was at Oakland, and who I won't name, who was a, a, a not a not a star player by any means, and just said, "How do you expect us to win eating this crap downstairs?" You know, so I, I mean, that's well, at least just he told it to you, not to the face of the guy well, actually guys slamming that stuff. You hear about guys being mean to the bus driver, no, guys but, being but, mean to this but, guy but or that guy. Again, you know, it just, it, it, I think fans don't understand, just can't comprehend how a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, he's going to the Hall of Fame, he's going to yes. get the yellow jacket, he's going to get the bust, he's going to be immortalized forever. They better have good food. <laughs> well, the bus talk to each other about the buffet apparently too. If it's what John Madden tells me at night. But, uh, I mean, the question is, is why, why can't he stick with a team? Why, what, what is with why? I mean, because in all honesty, yeah. 26 days from now, maybe we're talking about the Titans' shocking release of Randy Moss, and we're wondering about where he's going to play for in December. I mean, Some guys just I, can't help themselves. You know, they just can't I, help themselves. I, I, think, he'll, I think Jeff Fisher knows how to handle him. I don't think that'll be a problem. I, I agree with Mike. I think he'll be he'll be fine there. I think look, he left Oakland and Oakland only got a fourth round pick for him. There was all these clouds. He lands in New England. He has respect for the coach, the offense coordinator, the head coach, and life is good in New England until they get a third round pick for him. Would New England have gotten rid of him without the third? I'm not sure of that. But they got a third round pick and they thought, you know what, this is the best thing to do. New England's a a, a really a sustainable organization. They think about the future. They made the right move. Minnesota, it was all situational. When you make decisions based on the situation, it comes back to haunt you. And I think Brad Childress, who wanted to who wanted to trade for Randy Moss. Made a decision. And he thought he had to get rid of this guy, get him out of the locker room before he took more people with him. I, I think for the first time in Randy Moss's career, he finally realized, "Uh oh, I, I'm to blame for something," and that's him getting himself out of New England. I think all the other times it was somebody else's fault. For the first time in his career, oh my gosh, it's my fault. And I think that's where you saw that impassioned speech and that Q and A session that he had with himself. Actually, the other it was night, an A and A, which, I think. which is phenomenal. <laughs> um, right, it was an answer and answer because I mean because. And, and then we'll we'll move on to the next one. But the bottom line is with Moss. I mean, you guys, you obviously know him very well, uh, Michael and, and Jay. You've covered him for years, and I've met him uh, a handful of times. And I talked about this with Mike Silver uh, on the podcast earlier this week. He is a very smart, gracious Extremely guy smart. when he wants to be, uh, 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 a, a charming guy. And the question is, is yeah. why why does he keep on getting in his own way? in situations where if he realizes after the fact the Patriots are the best place for him to be, let's be honest, they're 6-1. and one. I mean, the Titans are – he definitely upgraded himself to a, to a better team right mm -hmm. now. But uh, that said, it doesn't really serve him very well if he's bouncing from team to team in a walk year, right? No, absolutely not. I, I think – I think Randy has a problem with controlling his what he feels and and he says what he feels. There's a lot of guys I'm sure felt the way Randy felt in Minnesota. They just didn't say it. And politically, I'm not sure Randy's always correct. About Childress, you're talking about what he's saying. That. Yeah, exactly. So there's yes. people in that locker room that feel universally, perhaps maybe not universally, but that that, that there's a lack of respect for the so, coach. In that solar systemly. Right. If you don't want to say universally, right. it's solar systemly then, because there's. It's, it's a pretty strong feeling. Last question. There, there are there are ex-quarterbacks, and I don't want to name who they are, that, that still uh, talk about their experience in Minnesota with one of disdain and, and disappointment. 
-hmm. And so this is not this is not this is not a new revelation in Minnesota. This has been going on for a while. And when he got that contract extension, most people thought, oh, my gosh, how did he pull that off? And Bob Lamont, his agent, certainly deserves a lot of credit for it. So does uh, does he does he need to sweep out to keep his job? Childress? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. To win out, he's got to win out and go to the playoffs and, mm -hmm. and get uh, and get... get them back to, to the NFC Championship game oh. or a respectable playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. You think so, Michael? I would say I, I would agree. I would say the strength of his position in Minnesota has been his relationship with the owner. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he's had a, a pillar of strength elsewhere. And once he did this move, I think he lost that. And it's going to require a tremendous effort of the Minnesota Vikings over the next uh, eight games to uh, restore that faith that the Wolves had in, in Childress. Do me a favor, Michael. Move your uh, microphone up on your lapel. I think it's a little low down. Thank you. Let's ready. Here we go. Three, two. All right, then let's move on. Let's move to McNabb. Who wants this one first? Jay? Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I mean, what, what in the world? How does that happen? How does McNabb get benched again? <laughs> again. Well, you know, obviously there are some interpersonal problems there with the Shanahan's and with Donovan McNabb. But I tell you what, you now look at, you know, my Shanahan's nickname in Denver was Mastermind. And not because he was so smart, because he did all sorts of mind games and had the big brother type thing overlooking guys. Um, but here now, he has now cut his nose off to spite his face with the highest-paid guy in offense, highest-paid guy in defense. And I'm sure a, a, a happy Albert Hainsworth and a happy Donovan McNabb could certainly help this team. Now, let's say Donovan goes out and just rips it off for them and, and plays great down the stretch and they go for the playoffs. He's not coming back here. He's not going to come back for Mike Shanahan, who has come out. You know, the thing that bothered me most probably is Shanahan and, and his son, Kyle, did to Donovan what coaches always demand you don't do to them. Don't throw – me under the bus. Don't you dare come out and talk about me publicly, you know, and, and question what I've done. Well, by them going through a, a litany of excuses as to why they made a bonehead move, it's doing the same thing. They're well, putting it they, all on Donovan. It was say? their dumb what are they, move. What are they you know what they're supposed to, to say? What are they hey, guys, to say? It, was a, it was a coach's decision. Didn't work out like we were hoping, but it was a coach's decision. But why are you making that coach's decision? But you don't coach? have to. You don't make up three different excuses. You know what you're doing also? By, by you saying it's his conditioning, you're throwing your strength and conditioning staff under the bus because he's been working out with them the whole time. Right. But yeah, I, I, I think there lies part of the problem is there was not a straight answer on Sunday after the game, on Monday, and on Tuesday. And I, and I think really it, it's very disconcerting because when you look at the Washington Redskins, they're 31st in the league in sacks allowed. They're 31st in, three minute in, in the third down offense. They really struggle in those areas. That's the essence of two minutes. So whoever you put in the game, Donovan McNabb or Rex Grossman, was going to struggle. Now, Donovan got sacked six, seven times in the game, six times in the game. And had it not been for his athleticism, it could have been 10 or 12. Right. So I, I don't understand what Mike was trying to accomplish, even in a mind gain. I think he feels like maybe Donovan doesn't work as hard. But at the end of the day, he's not your, he's not your punter. He's not your kicker. He's your quarterback. And you've got to handle him a different way. This was not also looked at with open arms by people inside that organization. They've, you know, guys I talk to say, we've never had in here a quarterback like Donovan. We haven't had a leader like Donovan. And... For them to do this with Donovan McNabb, they, they definitely – players kind of scratch their head with the Albert Hainsworth thing and, okay, you know, we understand it's Albert. But with Donovan, they definitely looked at this one saying, what, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this to us? So what – Yeah, what? And, and Albert – and let's go back to Donovan a little bit. Donovan has defended Mike on Albert. Now, he's also made the great point that for us to be a great team, we need Albert to be a player. So he defended the guy in the locker room, but he also defended his coach and backed him up. 
because he wants them to be a player. And this one, to me, is like the guy helping you out with the Hainsworth situation. Let's be perfectly honest. The Washington Redskins aren't suited to play a 34 defense, and Albert Hainsworth is much better, more effective playing a 4-3. So they're trying to fit a, fit a defense that doesn't really fit with their personnel. London Fletcher's not the same player. Andre Carter isn't the same player. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different team, and Mike's trying to experiment with this, and Donovan backed him up, and now Mike threw Donovan off the bus. So I still don't understand it. I still don't get it because it seems to me, it seems to me that by reading between the tea leaves here, to go in a game where the Lions' defensive line, which, by the way, I think is in the top ten in the league, at this point, yeah, easily. They have 20, easily. They have the 23 I mean, sacks. Easily, right? 23 I mean, defensive sacks. So Jim Schwartz, is, Jim Schwartz fixed that. Let's right. put it that way for right. sure. As they're moving fine, and he's fixed a lot of other spots in Detroit too. But that against that defensive line, uh, with two minutes to go, when was the last time you think Rex Grossman took a first team snap in practice? 2008, yeah, I, right? Maybe. Yeah. I, right. I mean, pretty sure he fumbled that snap. Though. Yeah, nice. Because Schaub <laughs> had his first full season as a starting quarterback in his career last year. Remember, Kyle was Shanahan was in Houston right. with Rex Grossman. Love, loves Rex Grossman. Remember, I said there's some well, interpersonal but, but things going on. I'm still trying to figure this out. So, 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 I mean, the mastermind. He's a smart guy. I mean, he's one of he's a Super Bowl winning head coach. What's happening? Where he figures, okay, we're going to take this guy who's not taking a first team snap in probably two years. With this defensive line, the way it's teeing off on my offensive line, with less than two minutes, I'm just going to throw him in cold. I'm going to throw him in cold. I mean, how, how, that, does, that, that how does that happen? How does that happen on a sideline? Does Kyle go to his father, or father goes to Kyle? And I mean, how does I think, how I think Kyle is convincing. I think I think Dad's drinking Kyle's Kool-Aid. Let's say that. You know, Kyle's with yeah. him constantly, and I think his dad is. You know what? I think if there's any other relationship, you know, and the offensive coordinator did this, the head coach would turn around and go, "Are you out of your mind?" But because this is dad and son, that's not happening. He's just he's buying into it. I, I can tell you that from talking to people in Detroit, they were shocked by it. I mean, they couldn't believe it because they were very content. Detroit, uh, Washington had no timeouts. They couldn't really pass protect. They were going to play their zone defense and rush four figure. And even with Donovan in the game, there's no way they can work it down for a touchdown with no timeouts. All they needed was two stops in the field. And when they put Rex Grossman on there, it really became like, oh, my gosh, something's wrong with Donovan. And then you could just see Donovan's body language. And the reaction by the Philadelphia people I talked to is, you can't treat Donovan like that. Donovan's a very sensitive guy. You got to be careful how you handle him. You can't embarrass him like he did. So I, I don't know what Mike. How could they I don't know say, what Mike's how trying. They, how could they say that when they pulled him in a Ravens right. game and threw Kevin Cobb to those wolves in the middle of a game? Well, you know, I mean, they basically did. I mean, the shot. I, I joked uh, to start NFL game day highlights on Sunday. Then on the Halloween edition, who knew Mike Shanahan would dress up as Andy Reid for Halloween? <laughs> because what he what they did was was virtually similar. I mean, it wasn't a two minute drill out of nowhere. It was halftime out of nowhere, right. a game that got out of hand. That uh, I mean, if you want to get Kevin Cobb any extra reps, I mean, against the Ravens defense in Baltimore was not the time to do it. So how could someone from Philadelphia say that? Well, they, you know, their point was, look, we did it at halftime. He threw an interception. It wasn't his day. We were going to go back and change. And they didn't publicly embarrass him on the sideline and have these three different stories. I think, you know, Philadelphia's reaction was, hey, look, you know, maybe we're not going to sign him for the future. We'll go on to Kevin Cobb. They thought maybe their season was even perhaps over at that Baltimore game. So, you know, everybody has a different point of view. But the one thing that's clear is Donovan has to be handled a certain way. And I'm not sure this was the right way. So the narrative of him being the new face of this franchise, heralded on Easter Sunday as not only the guy to lead Shanahan's turnaround of this franchise, but also 
go into the future, several let, years down the line. That narrative is now completely destroyed, right. correct? Let, let's all, not only that, let's, let's all now give the Eagles their due for making this trade within the division. People said, what are you doing? You're making this trade here, and they obviously knew something that the rest of the world didn't, and that Washington would soon find out. Well, I, the other thing I think, too, is, and before this happened, and Jay may know as well, but there, all this talk about Donovan getting an extension in September and October was really just talk. There That's was all never... There was there was never really any issue to go forward for a 14, 15, 16, 18 million dollar a year contract. No. And that was what we learned at half to, at the end of the game in Detroit. That contract's not going to happen. Now, the other thing that people find is that maybe Washington's going to kick the tires around the league and come back to Donovan. But right now, <laughs> Donovan's not going to get a contract. Yeah, Donovan, all the people, Donovan all will go back to them. Of all the people to bring in this week to take a look at quarterbacks. Yeah, but that was one of 20 guys. That, Jamarcus look, no, Russell. No, no, no. All that was, all that was, you know, was information in gathering, in though. You're, you're, you're but it's one of 20 guys or whatever. It's information gathering. I got no problem. They brought in a ton of guys. And every team should bring in any guy they can. Mike, I mean, right? What's but, wrong but with information? After, but the week after, the week after <laughs> you bench him. Two days after you bench him, two days after, as you pointed out, Mike, it's you're their giving two, They're bringing everybody different in. stories to the media. You can't get your story straight. You create a, a, a gobbledygook-type phrase like cardiovascular endurance. Well, you said jack off <laughs> earlier. And cardiovascular <laughs> endurance, which is, to me, the new uh, wardrobe malfunction of the NFL, to come up with a phrase like that. And then you bring in Jamarcus Russell. I mean, that's... The, I, I, I guess you don't care about what, uh, you don't care about the way it looks. Certainly, if you're talking no, about don't embarrass care. Donovan McNabb, of all the, bring him in next week. Bring him in. in it's two that, but weeks. it's a bye week right now. That's why they're bringing everybody in right now. It's their bye week. That's what you do it now. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Bruce Allen at one time and Ethan Locke, who represents, and Eric Metz, who represent uh, Jamarcus Russell, they were partners in, a, in an agency years mm -hmm. ago. So this could have been a friendship type thing. Hey, bring him in for a workout. Let's get his name on the waiver wire, show some people. But, you know, Jamarcus Russell is a little is obviously damaged goods. And in, in the light of the PR battle, you have to wonder. Remember when, when uh, Tom Brady got hurt, uh, New, uh, New England had two quarterbacks coming in for a workout. Just happenstance. And uh, New England sent both of those quarterbacks home before working them out to let everybody know that's not the direction they were going right. to go. They were I mean, going there's, there's a certain PR aspect to this. I don't, Mike right. doesn't care about PR, though. You know I, that. I, I, he doesn't care. Obviously. because <laughs> Not you, Lombardi. I'm talking about Shanahan. No, because, <laughs> but you don't either. Because Jamarcus <laughs> Russell, I mean, to, to bring him in after you say your quarterback is not in shape enough to go and go, give me a two-minute drill with the game on the line, I think your five-time NFC championship game appearing uh, quarterback that's supposedly being your franchise face. I think again, what I know all what of this do. says, what all of this says, is is that the Shanahan's are fumbling through the dresser drawer, looking for the receipt on the trade to see if they could somehow return Donovan McNabb. Maybe maybe for store credit with the, with, <laughs> with Andy Reid for I some Haynes. I don't know. Maybe, for some for some Wranglers. Maybe so. Well, now you're getting into different. So that, that's what it says to me that they that, that they're done with Donovan. I, here's that's what, I what this brought, whole thing says to me. Here's what I think they brought Jamarcus in. You bring in Jamarcus. You look at Jamarcus, and then you realize, you know what, Donovan's not so bad. Oh, so that's what, <laughs> hey, you know trying what? To convince He's themselves? actually in pretty good shape. How about that? <laughs> so this is so, so McNabb. I mean, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Uh, I mean, Jamarcus had to strip completely down to get the 286, too. Yeah. There, wasn't a, there wasn't a stitch of clothing on him, you know. I don't think he was going to risk it and put his shoes on and go over the 290 mark. So, so McNabb is done as a Redskin. 
Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I think he's got eight games. I mean, look, yep. one thing about the NFL, never say never, but look, unless he is lights out in the next eight games in his Redskin career and he leads him to a Super Bowl, I don't see the contract extension happening. I think Washington's kicking around. They're talking about a lot of different scenarios of what quarterback could be available. Mm-hmm. Mike Shanahan has always thought that he could coach a quarterback to a different level. And he's not been afraid of trying to challenge and, and find a guy. So, but everybody will tell you it hasn't been since John Elway that he's won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So there's always an underlying uh, theme that goes with it. But, I mean, you, you look at the roster, though. I mean, it, he doesn't seem to have the tools there, right? McNabb. No, no. His team I mean, is so offensively How can you make an evaluation on, McNab- on McNabb with, with, yes, a guy who is doing very well in Ryan Terrain, but he started the season on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Santana Moss right. is a few years removed. From a, a Pro Bowl, you've got Joey Galloway, God bless him. You could carbon date. Who he benched. You know, okay. He benched Joey. Okay. And, special and teams is keeping them in game. Anthony really. Armstrong, who, who may have some talent, but he is, he's a young, young kid. Keelan Williams, who finished that game in Detroit. And, and Chris Cooley, who, who is, uh, you could call him a top 10 tight end in the NFL. Top 10, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. So, Right, and an offensive line that's being retooled. Right. How, is this, how, how is this McNabb's fault solely? I, I don't know. And then defensively, look, McNabb led them back in the Green Bay game in the two-minute drill, conditioning or no conditioning, to tie the game, and then they won the game. You know, also against the Houston Texans when they came back, they were running their two-minute stuff. They came all the way back, and, and then I mean, Houston came back on them. But the reality is here is, is that uh, – that team in Washington is not very good, and it's going to take some time to rebuild that franchise. And getting a quarterback has made them 4-4. Four and four. I don't know what they would be without one. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I appreciate the thoughts on, on two of these uh, major topics that I never thought in a million years. If I went on NFL game day morning on Sunday, I know you're on Fox. But yes. That's why Hold I, on. I do what I do. Okay. On Sunday. <laughs> if, uh, if I got on an NFL game day morning on Sunday and said, hey, guys, uh, I think uh, McNabb's going to get benched in Detroit because he might be uh, for Rex Grossman. For Rex Grossman, <laughs> two minutes to go with the game on the line, and and today's going to be Randy Moss's last game as a Viking. Yes, on you wouldn't have heard on Fox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, no, we, I, we, we would know better than that. I mean, imagine, imagine what uh, we're talking about right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you did it, it, it though. That's why it's great. It's it's about covering yeah. this league is awesome. And next week it could be change all again. It's it's fascinating how the volatility of the league based on one game can really change things. And and we're just now we're going to see you know what's going to happen in Dallas next. I mean, oh, it's, it's no, no, crazy. no 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 hey hey this is a Dallas free zone Lombardi okay <laughs> I made this plea on Tuesday on my podcast Tuesday unless they fire the coach or they somehow magically become two games <laughs> under five hundred. At any Can't point. talk about him. It's a 31 team podcast. No, that's it. I'm sick of it. I can't. I can't have. What's wrong with the Cowboys? What's wrong with this? What the? Wait, is it? Is it the? Coach? What is wrong with the Cowboys, Rich? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast, guys. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you very much, Jay. Nice talking Michael, to you. you too, man. That's Michael Lombardi and Jay Glazer on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Papa John's. This might be the last late week one for a while because starting next week, I'm on the road. We have. Thursday night football. Your weekend starts here on NFL Network. Eight games. Prime time. Thursday night football begins next Thursday with the Ravens at the Atlanta Falcons. That is a darn good one. So I'll be on the road so all these big time soap opera stories may not be able to be covered in a late week podcast. But if I have the opportunity to do it, you know I'm going to pull the trigger on it. So thanks for downloading this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We've got a podcast.